Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch or grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Phil O'Brien, who is the founder and publisher of West 42nd Street, that's W42ST, which is a hyper-local lifestyle print magazine and media brand that connects readers to the New York City experience. And it has a circulation of over 30,000, focusing on Hell's Kitchen in New York and soon to be expanding across New York City. Phil also successfully founded and sold the world's largest independent photography agency in 2004. And he talks a bit about that towards the end of this interview. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast, and you can support the show by leaving a rating and review over an Apple podcast. I'd very much so appreciate that. Also, the weekly grind, which is my weekly newsletter, can be found at justgogrind.com slash newsletter, and it's filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. Just a few things every single Friday coming out to you. Without further ado, here is Phil O'Brien, the founder and publisher of West 42nd Street. Phil, welcome to the show. Hi, Justin. Great to be on the show. How's LA today? LA's good, man. It's a little chilly, but oh. for LA standards, chilly. So I'm sure New York is a bit colder than we currently have. So I'm yeah, not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> and and where I want to get started with you know West 42nd Street or W42ST with the magazine. How did you decide to start this in the first place, Phil? Yeah, so West 42nd Street. It is um, as you'd read the street name. Um, the um, Started five years ago. I moved to New York seven years ago and was looking to invest in or create business here. Um, I'd sold a business successfully quite a period of time ago in the UK and uh, had some ideas. And then I ended up living at the end of West 42nd Street on the Hudson River, um, where if you remember where Sully's plane came down, was exactly where I used to live. I wasn't there at the time. Um, And... uh, People, one of my friends who lived in Brooklyn, where they're super cool and hip, were like, why do you want to live there, Phil? It's the, it's a long way from the subway. It's cold in the winter. There's nothing to do. And I was like, well, you know, fuck you. This is, <laughs> I live here. I like this. And, um, and so that was part of the initiative was like, I'm, I'm in this area. If I'm in an area, I want to invest in that community and do, do whatever else. And then five, six years ago, a friend of a friend was coming out of a publishing business in the UK, Future Publishing, a big business, and he'd launched and created magazines and bookazines. And I worked with him on a few ideas in the UK about historic homes or archive photography. And then I said, well, I actually live in New York and this area is up and coming. It's uh, it's kind of called Clinton at the moment, but it used to be called Hell's Kitchen, but the realtors renamed it because Hell's Kitchen was too edgy and they really <laughs> thought it was scary. And if you look around on the map of skyscrapers that are going to come up, there's going to be so much new residential buildings on 42nd Street, 57th Street, and this big place called Hudson Yards in the next five years or so. This yep. is quite an exciting area, area and it has no media. Um so I thought of just starting a Twitter account, which was kind of where the name came through, because I saw on Twitter that you could get West 42nd Street, W42ST, and was kind of like, that's good, getting five-letter handle in, in this day and age. Um, so I'd kind of looked around, and originally it was going to be West 42nd Street and Hudson, and and anyway, it evolved. And madly enough, even though I was in a, a di- came from a digital background, just thought, yeah, let's have a go at this, a print magazine in an area physically distributed 
let's see how that works. And we'll add some digital <laughs> bells and whistles along the way. Um, but, you know, let's start. And was fortunate enough to have my own personal finance that could throw some money at doing that, um, which helped the madness. And so that was really how the journey started. Um, and that's now five and a half years ago. We're on issue 62's just landed. So we're a monthly magazine in print. That's awesome. And obviously, like, there's so much to dig into in terms of details, and we'll get into into that in a little bit in terms of like uh, logistics behind it and everything like that. But for you, moving to this new neighborhood in New York City, wanting to do something more you know, in the community itself, you start a magazine, but were there other ideas you were considering, or was this the only thing that really popped out to you? Um, I mean, there, were, there was lots of other things that were crossing my path I, you know i came here and i had a connecting business called climbing fish which was kind of um much more about connecting for meaningful conversations and my my, my core is being a connector it's connector community catalyzing things so i'd started with the the connecting that's always a thread and that hadn't really gained pace i didn't realize I came from uh, the UK and I lived in um, different parts of the UK, not London. I was in Nottingham in the, the middle of England. I was down in Bath at the end and it was pretty sleepy. There were, if somebody offered to have a cup of coffee, it was like, yeah, I'll go for a cup of coffee. You know, I'll <laughs> chat with anybody. Whereas moving to New York, yeah. you realize that everybody's me. <laughs> the idea of giving you a New York minute it is so hard yeah. to get attention. Uh, so that business, although again, like, 50 real super users who loved it and we made uh, good connections from that. Um, it wasn't going to be a business. Um, I invested in a tech business. So I did lots of different things, but I think at the end of the day, I wanted to roll my sleeves up and, and do something. And this seemed to fit. And I was surprised um, strategically that there was this area of New York, which is, you know, bordered by Hearst Towers is here, the New York Times, they're both on 8th Avenue on the borders of Hell's Kitchen. Time Out was here. You know, you, you, I was just looking around and thinking, media kind of exudes New York City and there's this whole exciting area that hasn't got it. So I thought, let's play. And was fortunate yeah. to be able to start and play. That's awesome. And to start and play then, <laughs> what were some of those first things you did to get the magazine off the ground? Like logistically, what are some of the first things you do to start a print magazine? Yeah, well, I was learning every step of the way. I mean, Simon, who was the <laughs> co-founder, was a launch editor. So he was great. He would spend time and he would, I, I think you got a copy of the magazine in the mail, didn't you? Um, mm -hmm. And you can feel the paper and the stock and how it looks and the the typeface and the design and the, it's colorful. And that was, That's he beautiful. would sit there and he would get all the, the pieces of paper, you know, that paper, I think that feels a bit better than that. If it had a nice varnish on, on the cover, it'd look really good. So, so he dealt with all of that. He dealt with um, bringing on a designer who's still our designer to this day, um, Lee, and Lee did the designs. And we took dummy issues out. We printed, I think there was probably just a hundred dummy issues that we printed. And they're all, you know, lorem ipsum, Latin text, but the pictures and designs were right. And we took those round to see if we could get initial advertisers and interest, which was slow. Um, I think what you realize in New York City, people want to see you around for a good while before they really invest in you. And I remember chatting to another publisher, um, a guy called Amir from The Real Deal, and he said, hold on for at least two years, Phil, because once people get to know you, two years, maybe five years, 
they'll get to know you then you get regular work and then that's the the thing and um i think you know so at the start we had hopes of yeah so we'll all be profitable within three months five <laughs> years on we've been profitable and some months i tear my hair out well hair i've got which is none um <laughs> and uh so it, it's an entrepreneurial ride but the starting point was really the founding editor simon and one of the when we finally pressed the button on printing and doing an issue, um, we had, I think it was 18,000 copies of the magazine arrived in a truck from printing in, um, I think it was down in Virginia in the Shenandoah Valley. They arrived and Simon was there and I was there and we offloaded them into our storage to start distributing. And I was like, yes, what do we do with them now? And Simon was like, <laughs> I'm a launch editor phil i'm not i don't know what to do on the distribution so from then on we learned how we learned our way we'd, we'd put in some deals in place to get into the local residential buildings the coffee shops but for the first four years certainly i would be part of the team with a, a little red truck a radio flyer walking the streets of hell's kitchen dropping two at the nail parlors ten at the coffee shops etc but we're a bit more organized than that now but we're uh uh, a lot more organized we distribute to like 120 residential places 40 hotels and we're in 600 uh, retail establishments you know bars nail parlors barbers liquor stores so we're now pretty refined on that and the radio flies are in storage i haven't dragged them out recently <laughs> <laughs> that's that's amazing i love the hustle you're just getting it out to people and that's that's amazing and then one thing going back just you mentioned the eighteen thousand to start with was that just at the minimum print run you had at that particular uh printer no it was i it it was kind of a number out the air we looked at the the number of residential buildings the number of businesses and really the the number in this area is probably around that amount we now do much wider distribution our print run is thirty thousand, and we distribute um in the wider new york although it's the editorial has some hell's kitchen focus it's it's more about the attitude as much as the geography so we circulate we have boxes at grand central partnership all the way to second avenue which is the far which is the east side we're down in Bryant Park, we're across in 34th Street Partnership, which is around Macy's. And we've had real success. Any test marketing we've done has said anybody who's a curious New Yorker gets real value from this magazine because it's about people like them. And yeah. the bonus is it's about Hell's Kitchen, which is in the last five years has been on the rise. Everybody now calls it Hell's Kitchen. Absolutely nobody calls it Clinton. Um, and it's got a, a real vibe and an attitude. So, so people anywhere would like to read it. And I hope, you know, when it landed with you in, um, LA that, you know, it, it's something that you'd like to flick through and see the people, hear the stories, um, you know, has some relevancy. Yeah. And especially in 2020 in the digital age, like I, I do love actually reading magazines and typically when I go on flights and everything, I'll get like a Forbes or entrepreneur magazine or something like that. And when this magazine came in, first of all, it hits you with the color and how bright it is. Uh, but even that enjoyment of reading a magazine again, which is like, uh, this is an experience that you don't always have every day if you're in the digital world. And yeah, I loved it, honestly. And I got another issue, uh, I think yesterday or something recently and flicking through that one as well. And so you can see the different like, content and everything in there. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. And and one thing too, just going back you, with 
uh, the actual printers again, like how do you, cause you know, just trying to give people the details on things. Like how yeah. did you end up choosing which, which printer to go with or how did you choose that exactly? Um, we, it was funny, Simon and I sat down and we thought, oh, this, that would be the easiest thing. We're in New York, you know, there's been newspapers and magazines forever. It's a hub, you know, we'll, we'll find somebody and it's, and it was really hard. And in the end, we initially printed with R.R. Donnelly, which were the, the biggest printers. I think they're now called LSD or LDS. Um, but they were the, the biggest printers. And really, they were like, yeah, we'll print it. But we print in the Shenandoah Valley. And we're like, where is that? You know, really? Do you have to ship it all that way? Isn't there a, somewhere in New York or New Jersey? So there wasn't. These days, for the last three years, we've been with um, a, a company called Quad. And they're out in Wisconsin. So the magazines come from Wisconsin every time. And I do look around from. every time. <laughs> How, there you go. Well, it comes, yeah. from West, it comes from West Dallas and they do a great job. Uh, that's and where I was born. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The roots you. Oh, that paper was, was from West Dallas by that's New York so funny. to you in LA. There you go. <laughs> that's wild. That's so wild. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so the, every, every month now those magazines arrive and our, our distributor then pops them around to all of our places. Um, a significant challenge for us is getting on-time delivery. I mean, they're, they're pretty good at getting to us on time, but the hiccups we've had in recent years have been around on-time delivery because Amazon has actually just sucked out all the capacity of the delivery network of the states. So the printers who were a dominant force of getting their huge amounts of print delivered around the country on time aren't as dominant as Amazon when stuff needs to be shipped and there's only so many trucks. So it's um, yeah. been one of our challenges. It's really, really intriguing. Yeah, I'm sure that's got to be tough. I mean, oh, that's got to be so tricky. And and with distribution, you've talked a little bit about it, but especially early on, with dis- distributing to different, you know, whether it be like the buildings, uh, retail outlets, whatever it may be, like how did you decide which ones or did you just go to every single one possible? And then what was the pitch to like be like, hey, this is our magazine. You should carry it every month. Like, take me through yeah. that a little bit. Um, yeah, it was it was really one by one. There was a little bit of outreach via email um, at the start to the to the larger buildings, but um, it really was myself and members of the team. We had to, quite a few ambassadors at the start who would go out. Um, we used uh, we certainly took took some time. I remember one of the bits of work our technical partners did was. Um, scraping Yelp and just going through Yelp and saying who are the restaurants and whatever, then taking their addresses and then taking them to maps as to if you walk down Ninth Avenue on the west side, these are the businesses. If you walk <laughs> down Fifty Third Street from Eighth through to the West Side Highway, this is these are the businesses. And then we would go in. There would be the good thing was the magazine looks great, so the initial impression, what is that? Um, we had lots of strange things. Is like, oh, I'm not on West 42nd Street. I'm on West 52nd Street. It's not relevant to me. And we're like, we're not that local. <laughs> <laughs> One street. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, so we had some of that. We, we, the, the buildings have been a significant challenge, and we're so proud of getting over 100 of them now because that they had certainly lived through uh, a period of like people – flooding them with menus paper menus was the way kind of pre a grubhub seamless was lots of paper menus so all of them had a we don't take paper here you know no we don't have anything paper the management don't allow any paper here 
and we're, we're very proud of we've persisted with it and we've got great deals with people they found a place for us they see that their residents are picking them up um on the odd occasion we've got a new change of super or whatever and it's like oh you know our delivery guy says oh that building doesn't want to take it these days we have readers in the building and you know i can usually contact a reader in the building who says hold on i'll go down and see the super oh yeah it's a new <laughs> super yeah deliver them tomorrow it'll be there this is the guy's name we love this magazine you know we want it here um so it's been that yeah how did you persist though i mean through that like especially if people saying no or like with the paper issue like what was it was it just like hey can you try this or like i'm just yes can you try well. i mean we always had the um thing of because often we, we don't really we don't put them into chains so starbucks and uh dunkin donuts they don't go in there so it's usually you know there's a majority of uh um their owner businesses here so it is trying to get to the owner or whatever else we're always super polite so it's always like oh i understand you know says oh i can't take them because it's the manager you know the manager i don't think he'll let that i'm just like oh we'll have one to read yourself um so it always is giving the person you deal with some gift there and i also when i was doing the the deliveries and working on that the start was i always gave people three strikes so i would go in month one and there'd be, and it could often be a, an owner and he'd be rude. And I'd be like, okay, because I'm just the delivery guy. And I just like, you know, that's probably how you treat your stuff, whatever else. Strike two, you know, and I would also say, I won't judge this because you might be having the worst day. <laughs> you might not right. be able to pay exactly. payroll this month. You, you know, well, I'm a small business owner too. And I, I do it. And then three strikes was like, yeah, we're not bothering going there anymore. <laughs> so, but often you, you, if you gave it that time, you would then find that, Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, last month. Oh, I had a dreadful day. I was a bit rude. Yeah, let me have a look at the magazine. Oh, this is really nice. Yeah, put them over in the corner. You know, just give us five this month. If, if they're taken, yeah, you can put some more there. And and that's how it was. And, um, yeah. and you know, that's, for me, building those personal relationships. And I'm a strong believer in businesses built by farming and not hunting. You know, it isn't about the wham-bam. I got the win, you know, we dropped them all off in the corner and it's, you know, it is, you've got to build a relationship and you've got to accept that that takes time and that, you know, taking time also brings sustainability and sustainability in terms of strategy. You know, it'd be very hard for somebody to know now. I mean, we've kind of made a place so somebody could produce something else and, it would find a place in some of these establishments, but some of them would be like, no, I'm just happy with that one at the moment. I've got no more space, whatever else. So it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And on that kind of relationship side of things as well, I mean, yeah, you had the distribution side with actually getting into these different buildings, which you've been able to do over the years, but also the advertisers and sponsors, like how do you get advertisers for the magazine, especially initially? And how has that evolved since? Yeah. Initially it was, um, it's been, different iterations of sales teams and, and marketing it's very slow i mean it certainly is a, a slow business um we certainly have seen sitting in on it the i think we're just coming out, out of a, a a a digital only advertising time where i'm starting to see that people are like okay i now know exactly how to track that person once they've landed on my website um, and bombard them with stuff but i don't know how to get them there and they're now looking yeah. for conventional 
advertising other touch points because they know you know it's whether it's the super bowl or a local business you know i look at the genesis car on the tv screen on sunday evening it's like what is that and i said to my friends i'm not looking it up you can because i really don't want to be bombarded by the advertising because <laughs> you and, know yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right and they um but it is at the end of the day how do you even get somebody to google to look for you how do you get them to your website and then how do you start whatever sort of programmatic digital advertising you want afterwards and we're in that mix and we we see in new york the um the big direct-to-consumer brands like the Warby Parkers and the Caspers and the follow-ons from them are using a, the same model at the moment. They they fill half a subway car um, on all the trains for 250k a month. Um, then they open a, a pop-up in Soho or on Bleecker Street, and then they follow them programmatically afterwards. And it's kind of like a that's the formula that everybody's following and we're now working with some of those and saying okay let's develop something that's more subtle if you really want to build a relationship well you can do it on the west side of manhattan there's hell's kitchen hudson yards is the biggest development in north america that's next to it which is now full of you know thirty thousand workers from scratch within a year um come and work with us and build a relationship and we'll start with print we do events we have a great newsletter but then when you want to move the money onto google and facebook and instagram you know please do <laughs> you know go and refine <laughs> that because that's you know that that's what you do and and then damage that relationship at your you know at your peril you know if you've started say i'm this nice guy i'm trusted i'm i'm with west 42nd street these are good people they're in my community then you know don't then send five emails a day trying to sell with different discounts you know build a relationship yeah and with those advertisers too then i mean so you have a sales team as well then how are you targeting which ones you want on the plat i mean want to advertise in the magazine and how do you decide like if ones maybe aren't the right fit for you i'm curious about that as well yeah i mean we we definitely don't want i mean if you look at the magazine it would be damaged by certain sort of advertising so we don't really take you know in new york we have the free newspaper on the train the uh, am metro now there's just the one that's kind of full of varicose vein adverts and adverts for older people and whatever we're, we're really aimed at 25 to 40 age groups so that that's enough for us and that's a, a line we're interested in people who really want to to partner and so examples we have wells fargo are a good partner and they advertise regularly that's a great brand but they've got an interest in the west side they're the preferred bank of hudson yards they opened a, a brand new branch on 42nd and 10th and we work with them they advertise but they're also a partner so when they open their branch on 42nd and 10th we're like okay you don't really know the area but uh when you're doing the breakfast reception uh, these guys are print they could do great patisseries should use them um for your lunch charlie marshall's a great chef he's two blocks away he'll come in and do some catering for you he's really great upstairs above you there's the lounge 42 the green room uh, they have great performers so i know you want a performer so they'll find you and they got these three great 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 girls for saying oh the balloons a block away there's new york balloons guy and he's in a little hole in the wall on 43rd street but he does these great balloons this will make you start to integrate with the community 
and be involved. And, you know, that's a great partnership. It's advertising. It's the relationship building. They take part in our events. Um, so, we're, so we do it on a multi-level. But the, the thing is, we ha- have a monthly magazine. It gets into yep. people's homes. If you want your message to be part of this community, then resoundingly, if it's sat on their coffee table when they flick and they're seeing your brand, that's great. It's much better yeah. than flicking on a passed on a phone with whatever messages of the day. Yeah, <laughs> much different experience. And yes, and kind of kind of to that point as well. Then, with obviously having the print magazine, how does that combine with the digital presence you have? You mentioned newsletter, website, everything. How does that kind of play a part with that as well? Yeah, we've gone through lots of iterations. We have a, a digital partner in the business, and they they've played on lots of things. They're ex kind of BBC guys, some some other Brits, and they um. Uh, called Data Language, and they've worked on, we built a semantic content management system which related the business to the content of the stories. We built a Facebook chatbot that could auto-respond depending on your location. And if you ask for coffee, it would uh, tell you what was nearby and how you could walk there. So we, we've done lots of that. But interestingly, 18 months ago, we said, enough's enough. We can't really compete on that. We keep on coming back to the platform is Facebook. You know, whatever investment we make on Facebook or Instagram or chatbots, they own the platform. And I'd much rather own the platform of my print and distribution than contribute more to um, Facebook and Instagram. So what we've decided to do is we are an in-home magazine. We're taken home. We're trusted. We also want to be in your inbox and we want to be trusted. We just do the one weekly newsletter. And that's on a Friday. Our editor crafts a message. She does what's on in the week, and Ruth does a fa- fabulous job on that, and she has the voice of the magazine and the voice there. And we're saying we're trusted media, we're quiet media, we're respectful media, and we're a plus one in your home. Sorry, we're, we're a guest in your home, and the partners yeah. we bring are plus ones. Um, so we've got to be very respectful. So so going back to, to finding the advertisers, it's like, who's aligned? We have a, another, another great partner is... Um, Intrepid Museum, a huge aircraft carrier at the end of um, 46th Street. And I used to live overlooking it and didn't go for two and a half years. And that's kind of a very New York thing. And they're now yeah. a partner. And they came to us and said, look, you know, we're in the top 10 attractions in the US. We get all these visitors. Well, we have no relationship with the community. And we believe you can help us with this. And for the last two and a half years, we've worked in that way. We've done a food festival with them. And not by just, here's a food festival. It's like, let's go and find 20 local vendors who will come and bring their food and come to Intrepid. Um, We did first um, free Fridays last year. We did seven free Fridays during the spring through to the fall, um, once a month. And we did different parties and events each time with anything from 150 to 50 guests. And each time we polled the guests who were local, maybe two to three blocks away, it was over 50% had never been to Intrepid. 20% had been to Intrepid, but anecdotally as a child when they were at school. Um, (laughs) And so that's the engagement we've got. We we, we partnered with with local theatres. There's one on 52nd Street where I am now. Um, There's two of them, the MCC Theatre, AST Theatre. There's a luxury building. And the luxury building has 300 units. And we chatted with the concierge and said, oh, you do things for your residents. Why don't you go to the local theater? There's only 75 seats. They've got a production on. I think it's very relevant. 
would you like to do it? Yes. They brought 50 residents. We brought 25 readers. Not one of the 50 residents who lived next door had actually been to the theater. Jeez. And now they're like, oh, that production's on. Do you want to come for a drink at my apartment before we go to my theater next door? <laughs> but it's permission. <laughs> you know, it is where human beings, you know, we, we, I didn't go to Intrepid. I walked past theaters on 42nd Street without going for three years because, like, Am I the right person for that? Will they like me? Is it um, right. is it going to be too long? Is it too expensive? Is it going to be above my head? There's all those resistance, and we're kind of a friend, and we handhold people to, you know, they, most most people come to New York and they're got a big job. They've moved from the middle of the states or from abroad. They've got eight to eight work, and they're like, how do I live my best New York life? And that's where we fit in. Yeah. And one of the things too, that you've kind of alluded to with the people side of things uh, with the different people as part of what's 42nd Street, like who is that team today that actually make the magazine help with editing everything else with that? Super small. So you'll be delighted with this. <laughs> so there's myself and I'm the publisher, which it doesn't yep. mean I'm Rupert Mur Murdoch or anything like that, as you can tell from the cart dragging. Um, the, uh, <laughs> so I do I do a lot of things, and then we have the editor. And Ruth's the editor. She's another Brit. She's a Scot, and she's been with us five years since issue three. Um, and she's really the voice of the magazine, and she produces the, the whole magazine, the stories with a set of contributors. So the artists, the photography, the writers are all volunteers. So what you're seeing there is the work of Ruth and volunteers who – Sometimes want to promote their art. Sometimes just love the magazine and want to be involved. Um, so that that's really great. Um, we've just, for the first time, um, six weeks ago, um, employed an assistant. Um, and she's just come on board. And then we have a part-time uh, designer. He does 20 hours a week for us, and he's back in the UK. So Ruth will work during the day. She'll hand over, has all the text and the pictures, for the pages, can you lay them out? And the next morning at six o'clock, they're ready for her. Um, we have a social media editor who does two hours every day. She's back in the UK. And she, um, at five o'clock in the morning, which is 10 o'clock in the morning UK time, she looks through New York media and everything around and just curates what's going to be relevant to our, our readers. And we put that on Facebook um, and on Twitter. Um, and then... I run the Instagram account, um, which is Instagram is good for our audience. Uh, it's like, and that's, um, that connects with about 8,000 locals. And you look through, there's no bots. They're all locals. I've all personally connected with them over the time to get them in. Um, yeah. And then we have a commission-only sales guy. And uh, he has another job, and he does that. And I fill in with business development and sales. So super small, small to be producing what I believe is the best magazine in New York. Yeah, I mean that lean lean team to run that, which is which is incredible. Look at people in all different places and part time and full time. It's just a combination of different things, which shows what can go into this type of business and how you can run it, um, which I find kind of fascinating. And and as you've grown as well, with now at thirty thousand, I mean, at what point did you kind of grow outside of the smaller neighborhood and more so into the greater New York? How did you do that and decide like when that was what um, you wanted to do? We did that about 18 months ago um, in terms of the testing. And we're now, we've just started a fundraise. We, we've decided we want to do more and we, the, 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 the money to, to print more inhibitors at the moment. Um, we want to get the brand better known, so that will require some marketing. But 
really getting the magazine in more people's hands is, is the best marketing we can have. And that's not it lying around and not being picked up. We're very active on making sure that, you know, these magazines, you know, every, every everyone is of value to me. It costs me personally and I, I want it in somebody's hands. So we want yeah. to do that. We want to do that wider. And that's one of our things at the moment is to get to a, a wider audience. And we've tested lots of styles of distribution. I think we know some really clever ways to get it into relevant people's hands to, to get them to pick up the magazine and take it home. You know, our promise is um, 45 minutes off your phone, um, in your home, in your co- on your coffee table, in your coffee time. That's what we promise. It was, it was interesting. I think before we went on the call, I said we'd, uh, I'd listened to uh, Zach, your friend's podcast, um, podcast yeah. 100 about um, his piano courses and whatever else. And when he was talking about, oh, yeah, I find, how do I find to get off my screen? I've tried gaming, and, but that's kind of on the screen, and I've tried doing this. And, and I was like, I was shouting at this, like, you can read my magazine. <laughs> read my magazine. It's ready, go read my magazine. Um, uh, and, we, we, and we realized that to do that, we, again, it's much like trying to introduce people to the theater next door. It's, it's still that. It's okay to read it. You know, by picking it up, you are making no commitment to read this. You can flick through it, get a nice feeling, put it on the table, give it to a friend, pick it up and read one of the articles. There's no judgment on whatever you do. It's just a really nice way to feel, oh, this is physically nice. Oh, that picture's yeah. pretty. Who's, who's he? What's he do? Oh, that's a nice little. I didn't realize that. The, 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 the serendipity of a magazine is fantastic because you, you never know what you get because it's delivered by Ruth. She has no algorithm, but she's a great editor and she delivers <laughs> stuff that is intriguing and interesting. And most of all, it's people's faces and people's stories. And there's, you know, deep psychology that says, you know, seeing people's faces is important to us as human beings. And that's what we do. So everything we do in the magazine is told through people. You know, it's not, we don't review restaurants. We don't review theater. People feel we do. We just did a survey. They said, oh, I do it because of all your recommendations. And it's not. It's We interview somebody and we usually ask them then, hey, and where do you hang out in Hell's Kitchen? Oh, I love Amy's bread. And then there's a new guy at the Harrow who does a cocktail and it's the best I've had so far. And then I like going and walking my dog down by the Hudson River. And that's the recommends because we select people and we tell their stories and they tell us what they do and that connects with people. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's all it's all about the people in the end, and uh, that's what you're focused on. Obviously, the whole magazine. <clears throat> that's what's so interesting is we all, we love hearing people's stories, and that's even with the podcast. Obviously, why I'm doing it to tell people's stories and kind of share those. And I'm still fascinated. You know, hundred plus episodes in every single episode, I'm still just kind of I'm curious and fascinated by what people are doing and why they decide to do what they do. Uh, everything with that as well, and. And with the business as well, you mentioned kind of growing with more capital. I mean, where are you trying to expand to? Like, what's kind of the vision for you know West Forty Second Street? It forward? would really be Manhattan. Um, you know, at the moment, our focus is on Manhattan. I think in the longer term, I think we will become a brand that people will recognize if they're they're wanting an insider's view of New York. We're, we're not in the markets of a, a, a tourist who wants to get the best deal on the red buses or go to the top of the Empire State Building, but we're interested in the regular business. Um, traveler or the discerning traveler who wants to say, you know, when I go to New York, what are the, what would New Yorkers do? Where would I be? What's on the side streets? You know, what's not the obvious? What have I not seen in an advert? And that's, uh, I think over time will be that. 
at the moment our push is um, to get curious New Yorkers to live their best life and part of that is to see there are people like me or you know our magazine is is not that magazines the previous version magazines 1.0 morphed into I'll put a celebrity on the cover and then inside there'll be an interview with a celebrity there's maybe an interview or maybe it's a cuts job or whatever else but that's how I'll entice people and they'll be disappointed and it's you know a bait and switch style thing and we're doing it in a different way it's like these are real people you'll see them in your coffee shop they're people like you well because they're in New York they're interesting people you know there's it can yeah. be the guy who came to Broadway and he wanted to dance who then was sat at home a bit miserable and started making cookies and now he has he is Zach Schmal has Zach uh, Schmackery's cookies and it's probably the best cookies in New York you know that's the story mm -hmm. you want to hear is like I might pivot, as we would say in the digital world, but they, <laughs> but they do it in real life here, and they come with a passion for the arts. There's a thread of creativity, there's a thread of Broadway, there's a thread of performance, and there's a thread of real hard work and making it in a very tough city, and we help people identify with that. Yeah, and I've actually interviewed a number of New York-based uh, entrepreneurs, founders, other uh, go-getters as well uh, through the course of this podcast. One that sticks out right away is uh, Catherine Sprung from uh, Squish Marshmallows and it's like <laughs> marshmallow specialty marshmallow store in New York City, and just kind of one of those things. Like, wait, what do you do? Like, oh, it happened by accident. You didn't mean to do this. You didn't mean yeah. to even try to start this. It kind of just fell into your lap, and you decide to do it. Like, there's just so many fascinating stories out there as well. I'm going to listen to that squish marshmallows. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yes, you should, you should definitely check it out. I mean, very like colorful, bright, different things they're doing. It's 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 interesting, and uh, I, it was so fun talking to her too. She's a, she's a hoot. Um, so that was that was a good one uh, in terms of episodes as well. And and then like, I just wanted to touch on as well with obviously people thinking about starting businesses, launching, growing businesses. If someone was to start or wanted to start a print magazine today, what would you tell them? Um, it was interesting. I had a young guy yesterday um, who was in Atomic, who was uh, in, he was chatting about um, there's out uh, on Long Island, there's the Hamptons, and there's always uh, also Fire Island, which is a big kind of, uh, it's really, there's a predominant part of the area, which is gay guys that go out out, out there. And um, he's look, looking at a magazine on Fire Island in print. And I sat with him and I took him through what numbers I could share with him. I was like, I will do anything to help you because it's a, it will be a small distribution. He's got a great energy. He was introduced because he's a, he is a, he's a barber. And uh, Susie, the local bar owner's husband, Joe, was having his hair cut by Tomic. And he said, oh, I know Phil. Is a, and he texted me and can I introduce you? And there are people who are looking around to do that. And um, I think he'll make a success of it. And it's, um, I think if he gets the star right and the pace of it right, um, it's good. And I, I was like, go for it. I think the advice to him was, you know the community well enough to go and get your advertising up front. And I think that is probably something we do. I had the luxury because I'd got money from selling the business of going on my own. Um, but I think as an entrepreneur, you are at your very best when your back's against the wall. And one of the, um, and I think, you know, with him was like, okay, it's going to cost, I think it's going to cost $15,000 just in your printing to get it through the summer on Fire Island. So you've got to go and find Five people will give you four grand each for uh, advertising in the summer. And then you've got 20K and you can start it. But that would be my advice. So, yes, do start a magazine. 
do the things of trying to get the the cash up front so you're uh, covering that print cost and then go and have some fun and develop your you know <laughs> saying to them, you know de- develop a tech service you know, i'm into the tech you know it's like yeah develop a tech service you know every day at three o'clock tell them what the the best happy hour is around tell them what party's on tonight you know you can do that but you know you can build a brand very successfully with print you know you see you know i have seen in the last year uh, bumble rei um netflix um i'm just trying to think airbnb all-star print magazines because that you know they have all set facebook have their own print magazine linkedin have their own print magazine and they're using it in a way to try and develop a deeper relationship and i think it is also a way to make a a very strong point is i'm here i'm committed i'm physically on the ground i'm doing stuff rather than just being another geographic setting in a an instagram advert yeah oh, i bet you got me interested in this this whole thing i've actually heard from a different friend who did a uh, local magazine and i think it was in wisconsin as well that was the first mm-hmm. one i was like curious about that and then when yeah hearing about you as well it's like oh this is such an interesting model especially because people are like to the point of zach's interview trying to get off their phones for a little bit of time and yes. having some type of break with it whether it be just meeting with people and having that be it but if you're alone or uh, just happen to be alone having your coffee or something something to get away from a screen um and a magazine seems to be a great way to do that and it i through this interview too like i, I can't not talk about your other business so i'm really curious <laughs> about that as well so the mpix like tell me about how that started how did you start that agency in the first place Oh, we're going back in time now. So we um, go, yeah. <laughs> go way back in time. So, so very briefly, I left school at 18, yeah. uh, did a year training as a press photographer, came out and was a press photographer for agencies and newspapers for about two and a half, three years, and then said, mm, I want to start my own agency. And in the UK, there's 10 national daily papers, 10 national uh, Sunday newspapers. And it's a, it was a good market for a photographer in those days where you could submit your pictures and they would use it and they would pay you money and it was great. So I started an agency and it was called East Midlands Picture Services, which eventually came MPix. Um, and uh, the, the journey of that was, right, I'm going to do it. Um, I, my best friend, um, uh, Ian, was an, also a photographer. He says, oh, I'll do it with you. And we, we went uh, and I prepared the business plan and I typed it all out. It was typewritten in those days. I'm that old. The spreadsheets were all handwritten because <laughs> there was no Excel or in the Lotus one, two, three, it even not come around. So handwritten and we went to the bank manager in the UK and Ian was with me and the bank manager said, oh no, I think you two should keep your jobs. This is really, you know, this doesn't, we were asking for 2000 pounds, about, you know, $3,000. And he was like, oh, no, I think you no, you should stick with your job. So two days later, <laughs> I got a call from Ian who was like, um, I think you should do this on your own, and then I'll come in later. <laughs> I had the bank manager saying no. My best friend saying I'm running in the other direction. Yeah. And uh, so I just kept on, and I started the business. I was in an office on my own. I set up a dark room in those days, which I had to do to print that, and I was looking – listen to local radio, reading the local papers, trying to find stories I could sell to national newspapers. And uh, that's what I did. And we gathered staff over time. And within four years, because it changed from black and white to color, and there were other things went on, and I got a passport. I didn't have a passport until I was 25. Decided to make it a sports photography business and renamed it MPix, the same name but shortened. Um, 
And that business developed that we, in those days, this is the late 80s, early 90s, to transmit one color picture uh, would cost a fortune, but would also take 30 minutes a picture. And if there was a crackle on the phone line, you had to start again. Um, <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, imagine Wi-Fi dropping. This is pre the wonderful world of digital Wi-Fi. <laughs> phone lines in, you know, and that could be in Russia. That could be in Cuba. That could be in Japan. It could be in South Africa. It could be in India. And those days as well, pre-digital, it was uh, processing a color film in a toilet. I remember the worst one was in Calcutta in India in the toilet of a cricket stadium processing films to then try and transmit oh, a picture. So that was fun. 94 became digital. I worked at the Lillehammer Olympics and used the first digital SLR cameras. Um, I had one of the prototypes and that was like a revelation. Our business then became more digital. 96, we worked at the Atlanta Olympics and ran Sun Microsystems uh, photo database because they couldn't do it, but we ran that for them. And then we became a much bigger business. And we're eventually, in, in that period, the photo industry was suddenly we were approached by this VC company, the biggest in the UK at the time, 3i. And they said, Oh, have you noticed that? Um, Mark Getty from the Getty family has created Getty Images and he's just acquired this business and he's going to acquire more businesses. And there's this other guy, Bill Gates, this, that owns this company privately called Corbis, which is the other photo industry competitor. We'd like to put some money into your business and help you to, to move forward. So we suddenly had VC in the mid 90s and, wow. we, and we went through a roller coaster of a business that. Then took on, we acquired archives. So we had live photography from sport. We had archive photography from the history of sport. Uh, we then started to do consultancy for the main um, sports rights holders. So people like Manchester United, the Royal Ancient Golf, helping them to, you know, they were thinking, we get loads of money from TV. How do we get that from photography? You know, how do we get most value? And we helped them with that. And then we developed a technology uh, called Shoot Live, which got real-time photography from sports events onto a mobile phone, the first color screen mobile phones. This is way before even iPhone, um, which were in real time. So a goal was scored or a soccer match, and we were able to say, 23 minutes, um, this goal is scored, and there's a picture of it. And we could deliver that within a minute. And uh, so that was wow. – um, and we sold the business. Luckily, when it was about 60 staff, we sold to – the press association which is like the equivalent of associated press uh, in the in the u.s after the uk equivalent uh, one of my proudest moments was uh, ringing up the the boss of um getty images and saying hey just so that you know because they were always wanting to buy us just so you know i've <laughs> i've um i've sold the business to the press association and i was like why didn't you decide to us i said well well you would have sacked all my staff you know you were you would have acquired and closed the business down because we were such an annoyance um, so we, um, <laughs> so that was great. And the, the business is still running in Nottingham to this day. And I think there's still around 10 of the 50 staff who are still working. They've transitioned at different times to different places. And that's 15 years ago. So that was wow. my journey of an entrepreneur. And I will tell you, just so that people think that's a great ride, before we sold for a lot of money, 15, 18 months before, we were sat with our accountants, KPMG, with our board saying, can we do payroll this month? Is this built business solvent? Um, we were still, we were still like that. The, the ups and downs of a business, you know, they, 
they never stop. And uh, if you're an entrepreneur, you've got to expect that <laughs> there were there yeah. are wins along the way. There is joy, but there also is that. <laughs> oh my god, is this it? <laughs> yeah, the holy shit moments as well. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Goodness, Phil. Um, you know, from that, from that experience. When you have the experience of that business, you have this other new business now, West 42nd Street with publishing. I mean, with people just starting out, whether it be just starting out with a business or thinking about starting a business or even thinking about like quitting their job to start a business eventually, I mean, what would you what would you tell them about entrepreneurship? You kind of alluded to some of these things already, but what else would you suggest to them or tell them about entrepreneurship? I think definitely don't think it's easy. I mean, I think the um I think it is it's super hard work. You've got to work on something you rarely enjoy. If it's a get-rich-quick scheme, I think you've got to think of it more as farming, not hunting. If it's a get-rich-quick scheme, that's you're a hustler. You know, the hustle is great, and it's part of being an, an entrepreneur. But you've really got to think: Am I really, really invest in this? You know, do I believe in this? You know, for you to to do a hundred plus podcast and you're doing an MBA and you're you know you're working through your different ideas and whatever you've got to have a commitment you've got to have a drive and it hasn't just got to be like I don't like my job and I think my <laughs> friend's an entrepreneur and I think I'd like to do it as well you know that's just going to end in in failure um, and I, I think it kind of gets in the way so you know I, I think you've just got to have the motivation really check that you're okay with that insecurity. Um, because a lot of people aren't um, the insecurity, the level of hard work, and but it is surprising who will step up once they've got a really passionate idea that they believe in. You know, they will they will keep on going. You know, and they will do those years, and it does take years. Again, listening to Zach the other day, you know, he was um, he was talking about his piano classes. You know, now with a hundred thousand followers on YouTube and you know making money was, you know wondered why he'd started you know when it's you know and thinking it would work in three months and then you know, he, he's had to produce those videos every day much like you producing these podcasts every week so it's um you've got to really work on the grind as you would say <laughs> yes indeed phil and where can people go to learn more about all that you're doing with west 42nd street yeah so um if you look at our website, so that's uh, west42ndstreet.com, which is a W, a 4, a 2, an S, and a T. So just the five things, but you pronounce it west42nd Street. So west42ndstreet.com. Um, definitely encourage you to follow us on Instagram. That's quite fun because you'll see just pictures of the neighborhood. That's 90% uh, user generated. When I started, because I, my background's photography, I would take the pictures. It'd be 90% me. Now it's 90% uh, the readers, and they're great. They're on the streets. Uh, finding different angles of fun that's happening in the neighborhood, which is great. Um, and personally, please follow my Instagram, which is philobr, so P-H-I-L-O-B-R. You can see me on Twitter as that. And if you want to read any of those stories, I still have a website. It's slightly old. It probably doesn't format on a mobile very well, but that's philobrian.com, <laughs> O'Brien with an I-E-N, um, philobrian.com. And uh, there are, there's a little uh, part of that's called Projects, which tells stories of um fun things like how i met mother trees and she gave me a business card and stuff like that there you go that'll get you to go to the website <laughs> <laughs> yes go to the website read it check it out check it out just drop at the end <laughs> i love it <laughs> phil thank you so much for coming on the show today okay that's great it's been great to talk to you keep on doing what you're doing it's really good justin i appreciate that Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. 
The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you. Justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.